Welcome to Frontier Feathers Farm Podcast. Join us as we take you through our journey starting a farm having no prior experience. We left the beach and traded our flip-flops for farm boots and decided to live in the country. We'll share with you our learnings, tips, and of course, all of our fails as we continue to grow and learn on our little farm. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the first official episode of Frontier Feathers Farm podcast. Uh, I am your co-host, Ryan Hauser, along with my lovely wife, Melissa. Hello. So I think we should probably start off by, um, you know, answering the question of why, why are we doing this podcast in the first place? And I know I have my reasons and I know you have yours. And since I have the mic, I'm going to go first. You go, yes. So I, I, you know, in, in um, moving to Idaho uh, within the last year, we have reached out, or not reached out, but we've, we've researched, um, you know, various f- needs that we've had associated with farm and farm life, farm living, uh, raising animals, and, and the like. And we've found... Most of the information that's been most useful has been on YouTube, and there's not really a podcast that services specifically our needs, which is sort of beginning intro farming. Like it so doesn't, we don't feel so alone? Well, yeah. It doesn't really <laughs> exist. Um, so and, and most of the YouTube channels that we've found, although they're great, um, they're very sort of meandering, and they follow these people around, and they're either at a very advanced level um, of farming, which you'd have to have a baseline for understanding what the hell they're doing and talking about, or, you know, they're getting too personal and we're learning about things we just don't need. So we're going to try to bring you an unfiltered version of what it's like coming from the city or in our case, the beach of farm life and what it's like to live in the country. Again, coming from a city and having no prior experience doing anything remotely agricultural or, um, having dealt with animals and livestock. Yeah, I mean, it just thinking back, we came um, to just outside Boise with our three kids and one dog. And fast forward a year, and now we have three goats, seven chickens, two dogs, and two cats and two pigs. And just to step back and think, wow, how did we get there and all of the adventures along the way is really fun. So I can't wait to to share that with you guys. We also had two rabbits, but but they were quickly killed on the farm. <laughs> I by wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> something we don't know. Uh, we, we're, we have our suspicions as to what killed them. Anyway, so I think we should probably on this first episode and probably this episode only – um, give you guys, the listeners, a sense of, so you can see how truly uh, unqualified we are uh, as as farmers um, and growers and 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 uh, caretakers of animals. Um, I our, we'll give you our backgrounds. So I'm uh, 20 years in the clothing business. Um, you know, having uh, built a, a pretty successful brand from my garage. And uh, went on to um, form another company after uh, we had a, an exit from one uh, several years back. So uh, my, my uh, focus primarily has been in the branding and marketing and design space um, within the fashion space. And you? 
And I am the lucky mom of three babies that are no longer babies. I have a 10, a 9, and a 6-year-old. And I, um, I've i done different things along the way, but I was a personal trainer. And I also created a, a kid's app. So, yeah, having no experience in gardening or animals either, this made for quite an adventure. So you've heard that we're completely unqualified um, to be doing the things we're doing, but we're, we're having such a good time living the life that we're living and feeling the freedoms that we have and the fails every day. And we hope to share some of the, the good and the bad with you guys along the way um, with each consecutive podcast. Today's podcast is going to, is almost more of a QA and a um, because the, the decisions that we've made on behalf of our family have been met with mostly positive reactions, but more so than anything, we get a million questions. Questions from our close friends, how's it going out there? How you living? When are you moving back? To, you know, a friend of a friend that says, hey, um, I'm friends with so-and-so and and I'm thinking about moving out into the country and how do you guys like it? So we'll get into some specific questions with you today, but I think... I mean, the first question probably we should tackle would be, why did you guys move to the country in the first place? Oh, my gosh. Everyone loves to ask that question. And I was really surprised at how many people followed that question with, I've always thought about doing that. You know, gosh, we talk about doing that. That really surprised me. So it opened up this whole other conversation of, you know, well, how did you take that step and why? Yeah, that's the, the number one question I got. So, you know, for me, um, and I know you have your reasons, for me, I was always on the side of admiration. And you'd, you'd see someone make a bold move. They moved out of state or they, they pursued a life's passion or a dream, which has always been something I felt that, that I've done. I've, I've listened to my inner voice since I was basically a teenager and um, upon college graduation when I founded my company out of my garage, when I was, you know, just like everyone else you hear, I was eating Top Ramen. I could barely afford my rent uh, and, and chose to pursue my my dream and what eventually, you know, turned out to be, um, you know, for me, a, a very amazing ride. Um, so I guess for me, the the impetus was... I wanted to be on the side of doing like I wanted, I wanted to be a doer. I didn't want to be on the side of admiring like, Whoa, that's really great that, that that guy did that. Or it's really great that that family took the courage and, and made that big step. What a great thing for them. So I've been thinking a lot about that answer lately. And I, I think for me, I wanted to be a doer. And I feel like that's really important that I listen to my inner voice saying, you know, having this pull to this other lifestyle and rather than to run away from this very uncomfortable thought, I, along with you, my love, and my kids ran towards this uncomfortable zone. What about you? Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm always up for a challenge and this was definitely a big one going to a place where we didn't know anybody and everything was so new. But I also looked at that as a very exhilarating opportunity. 
um, because I think with that change of pace and space that we were going into, it allowed me to have a perspective change on things that were important to us as a family and child raising and just slowing down life for a minute, thinking, you know, how do we want to have our kids look at us and are we taking challenges on? Are we talking about them? Are we doing them like you said? So I think it was our adventurous spirits that called us to do it and um, also for our kids. So I think for me too, one of the drivers was the idea of being more hands-on and and trying to have more of a DIY attitude. Um, I, I think was, you've accomplished that, by the way. Oh, no. Accomplished, no. I think <laughs> smashed fingers and bruised egos is is probably more what's really happened. Um, I think uh, certainly, if anything, I, I have tried. Maybe that's what you're acknowledging. Oh, I mean. my gosh. Yes. I mean, every week, every month, there's a new project that you are tackling, which happens to lead to three more projects. So you're doing great. So to give you guys a scope of what we're talking about and the magnitude, we have uh, we have ten acres and we have two um, five acre subdivisions uh, that are um, uh, basically back to back with a common fence between them, uh, contiguous. Contiguous. So we are currently only operating on the front five, uh, and perhaps down the road in another podcast we can discuss. Uh, water shares and water rights and what happens here in the summertime with water allocations. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty intriguing stuff. Um, it gives me crazy anxiety, but, uh, <laughs> um, but it's something maybe we can cover on another, on another episode. But so right now we're, we're focusing on developing the five acres that we have. And when, um, when we first got to our, our new property, there was basically a lawn, and they had an old chicken coop. You tried um, to save that chicken coop several times. I did. I painted it, uh, and then I eventually grew to hate it. Because you added on to it? I added on to it because you wanted room for the chickens to move around in, which was a good call. Yeah. Um, I ultimately smashed my thumb because I was out there when it was about 25 degrees. I was up on a ladder and swung the hammer, hit my thumb, and lost my fingernail about a month later. Um. <laughs> But that's normal. That's what it is. Um, so we're developing our, our five-acre property. And um, in the beginning, speaking of DIY, I went out and um, interviewed a landscape architect and then quickly realized, you know what? I think this is something I could probably tackle on my own. And uh, we went out with some some rebar and some some string. I loved that time because we would be at breakfast and we would take napkins and draw different ideas and we constantly were creating in our minds and then to go out there and place it with string and rebar. I just that was one of my favorite things. It was like a blank canvas for us. And so literally it was a dirt field with these awful thorns called goat heads. If you've ever had the luxury of experiencing one of those in your foot you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and we, we had also gone through a muddy season prior. And, um, oh, my gosh, the mud. By this point, we had two dogs, and the, the mud was overwhelming. So we had a strong driving urgency to develop 
and then fence off the uh, remaining parts that were yet to be developed. So, yeah, so with the help of some rebar and a hammer and some string, we went out and mapped out pathways and and uh, and where we were going to make gate entrances and uh, and access roads and um, how big our our garden enclosure was going to be and how where was our shed was going to be, where our greenhouse was going to fit into the scheme, and of course where the kids' trampoline was going to go and how I was going to hide that ugly thing. <laughs> so. Um, I think we should, now that you kind of have a sense of, you know, at least what, what we were thinking in grand scheme, we can get some, we'll get granular again, probably on later episodes. This one is more of an introduction so you can understand, you know, where we're coming from as newbies to farm life. Um, I want to move on to another question, which we get a lot, um, which was, um, people say, well, what, what is one thing that surprised you the most? So... I am constantly surprised by the adaptability that our family has shown. Um, Having kids, you know, Jack was going into fourth grade when we moved here and thinking, gosh, how is he going to adapt to this new lifestyle and being away from the beach? And is he going to love the outdoors as much as we do? And the, the kindness that people showed our family Uh, was overwhelming. It was wonderful. And so I think because the kids were able to slip into school and sports and then have this new life of adventure, um, not necessarily going to the beach, but we were going hiking and going into hot springs and river rafting. Um, We got to do it together. We spent a lot of time that first summer just exploring our new land together. And we adapted very well and very quickly. So that really surprised me. I thought there would be more of a struggle emotionally. But um, being outside and working with your hands is very therapeutic. And when you're working side by side with your family, that brings a whole nother level of closeness that I didn't even anticipate either. So I think for me, it's, yeah, it's the way our family adapted. Yeah, I think... You know, being someone who's uh, very much into the outdoors, um, to experience the four seasons. Um, oh, yeah, the colors. Yeah, they're, you know, it's great where we came from in California. It's 72 degrees every day. That's awesome. But, um, you know, going through warm and hot and everything in between along the way and seeing the, the leaves change and fall here is really spectacular. It's It's unlike anything I've ever seen or experienced and... Um, I'll never forget like that first morning we woke up, um, and there was snow on the ground and I don't think the forecasters had caught it or whatever. And we woke up and our whole backyard was white and covered. And we were like giddy school kids and we were like, (laughs) Oh my God. And, um, you know, I was very much anxious to get out there with my, uh, my snow plow. Um, which, yeah, I broke it. Um, (laughs) I broke the snow plow. I broke the winch on the snow plow, um, on the first time. Because I was pushing too much snow down the driveway, so um, that I <laughs> that guess was I can't really one. laugh at you because yeah. I've had my own issues, but that yeah. was really funny. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for me it was um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's also great just you know having a, a snowboard pass and being able to look up the hill where we we live in the valley, and you can literally see the the ski resort, um, just called Bogus Bay uh, Basin. Um, which is literally kind of in front of our house. 
uh, as the crow flies. And to to be able to see a storm coming in and be able to snowboard um, v- by line of sight is, is pretty neat. So we got one thing that also really surprised me is actually has to do with you. I had no idea how much you were going to jump into the, the do-it-yourself attitude and really get your hands on maintenance and taking care of our land. Um, and you're doing a really good job. Mm. So I was really surprised that you took that challenge head on and jumped right in. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Thanks, babe. So I, I think the where we wanted to go next was, you know, what are, what is your, what do you think the biggest challenge is? We get that question as well. Um, you know, so as, as, as Mel is asking or, or commenting that, you know, that I'm, I'm able to manage our, our farming. I, mean, I kind of consider myself like head of maintenance. I kind of do all the macro stuff um, in terms of the building structures and, you know, how do, how are we going to get water to the animals and building barrier fences and the property maintenance and the fact that we've got like a lot of grass and you guys have never seen weeds like we have here in Idaho. Uh, and the the prominence and the dominance and the persistence of the weeds here. Persistence. They just won't leave you alone. No, no. It's terrible. And just uh, the sheer scale of things with, with land. So imagine everything being on sort of this commercial scale and not residential. So when you think about this, you know, don't don't daydream back to what your backyard looks like and then try to think about lawn care. Like think of like two acres of grass, um, which – you know, think of a couple of golf holes or, you know, that it's much It's very grass. overwhelming, yeah. the amount of grass. Um, well, what do you think your biggest challenge is? Well, I created my biggest challenge because I really wanted to get my hands on some animals and nurture them. And <laughs> I love them very much. And I love all the learning that I can get from them and the kids can be involved. But they're also very challenging. Um, the chickens were my gateway into this animal land. And once I figured out I could keep them alive and they were giving us eggs, um, I felt pretty confident in moving onward into more animals. And you were so nice to oblige this. But um, it is quite a challenge to make sure that they're healthy and happy and everyone has the right food and isn't overeating or undereating in the water. So I definitely just think the whole animal um, – Lifestyle is my is my cha- my daily challenge. And we're going to have follow up episodes um, specific to each animal, starting with the chickens and moving into the goats and the pigs, uh, and so on, and, and probably multiples. So because there's there's so much to talk about just with chickens as a topic, and she has become the mother of all hens. Um, <laughs> no, and- but I do know a thing or two now. So if you do have questions, feel free to reach out and direct message or email because um, maybe I can help you if you're just getting started. What is our email again? Oh, it is info at frontierfeathersfarm.com. Okay. So we also get, what's one thing you guys miss? So what do you say to that? Um, I would say accessibility to healthy food, quick, fast, healthy food, where it was very easy to get a fresh salad. I feel like it's harder, but it's okay because I enjoy cooking. So I just think we eat a a lot more at home and it takes a little bit more planning and prep on my end. But yeah, the accessibility of healthy food is probably 
the thing I miss. Yeah. Besides my friends, don't even that doesn't even count, right? Because yeah, no, okay, <laughs> no. So I I think you know where we were specifically in our pocket in in Southern California, we we had this great street called 17th Street, which is like the everything. Uh, that you'd ever want from the best coffee to fresh sushi to the best Mexican food you've ever had. Um, and you can certainly find that uh, in the great state of Idaho where we live, and specifically even about 15, 20 minutes from our house in the city of Boise. Uh, we are out in a little bit of the suburbs, so I think what, what you're saying is the accessibility, like you're saying. like yeah. we're We're out in the country, and although we are very lucky to have a target, about five minutes from our house. Um, we're definitely lacking in the culinary department locally, uh, aside from the chains, which we really try to avoid. And frankly, and we're going to have, by the way, we're going to have lots of episode, or episodes and podcasts about um, the the garden side, which we haven't even really touched on, which is a whole other area where we, we, we've known nothing about and we've researched and YouTubed and and, and failed, but also had some successes in our garden. And, and we try to incorporate things that we're growing into the things that Mel has been making uh, as far as meals. And Every, we're going to talk a lot about that. Every day, yeah. And that also helps feed the animals as well. That's true. So, okay. Let's see. Um, so how do you go from owning a dog to basically having a pet zoo within a year? I will get – that's all you because none of that was my idea. I don't know why I had this this yearning inside. I really wanted to have fresh eggs. Um, turns out I really have enjoyed watching the animals interact and learning about their little social communities that they have, which now going to the grocery store, I have such a huge respect for every produce, every you know, the eggs and the milk and just being hands-on every day. I know a little bit about the work that goes into taking care of the animals to produce that and taking care of the gardens to give you that produce. Um, even the farmer's markets. Like I walk through the aisles now and I just want to high five all those people because <laughs> I know how hard it was to get the produce there. Um, but you can tell, you know, most of them are smiling and they do it, you know, with joy and love in their heart. And I get that too. Because when I do have extra eggs or produce and giving it to friends and family is a wonderful feeling. I really have enjoyed that. Um, But as far as going to all these animals, I think it's just my goal is to continue to learn about these animals and have them nourish them so that they can nourish us. So raising the pigs um, and then enjoying the pigs, which is still up for debate it's in our really family. It's really hard to enjoy pigs. They, they're right. I know they're crabby, but I'm just saying mm. I want to eventually show the kids the circle of the food chain in a very healthy, um, in a very healthy way, giving them good food and a good life. And so I think that the way that I've gotten to all these different animals is just the goal to show the kids how everybody interacts and how the farm works. And I think we're going to hear more about, there was another question about, you know, the hardest part about raising animals, but I think we'll, I think we'll defer that to when we can talk about some of the pros and cons to each of the animals per our experience so far. Um, I think it's probably worth mentioning, well, two things. One, we also have an orchard. We've got like, I don't know, 20, 
25 trees. Can you tell me, um, in your best estimation, how much produce we actually yielded off those 25 trees? Can you just give me a sense? Uh, let me think. Um, let me do some quick math. Um, two? Two. Plums. Plums. <laughs> Out of 25 trees. And can you give us an idea of the spread of the kind of fruit we're talking about here? Oh, there is peaches, apples, pears, apricots. Cherries. Cherries. Oh, it was so sad. We did not have a good year in our orchard at all. <laughs> so the bugs got them. The birds got them. The rodents got them. Yeah. We just couldn't get it together. No, but we're going to, we're going to, we're tackling That's gonna be, the orchard. Yes. Yes, because it turns out goal. you have to prune when there's no leaves on them, like November, like it is right now. So we're gonna, we're gonna. This is this is gonna be like tomorrow. Yes, we're on this. Okay. So I think um, we should pivot a little bit and talk about when we first got here. Like, you know, we really were fish out of water, and and we we wanted to show the locals that oh. we we could do this. Oh yeah. And I think. You guys have to understand, like, we're in a subdivision here next to a, a, a real farmer. You know, they have they have cattle. They've got horses. He's a bee farmer by trade, so they've got all this acreage that kind of surrounds us. They sell fresh honey. Yeah, and they've got, like, you know, awesome tractor equipment all over their yard. And, yeah. and perhaps it's not in the right order, and it kind of bothers me every time I go by. But, but it's cool, and they're real farmers. And they're never going to listen to this podcast, so it's okay. I love them. <laughs> I love them. If you're listening by any chance, um, you could tidy up a little bit. Anyway, so I – but I, I think we wanted to show them like, hey, we're we're good people and we're, we're trying and we don't know what we're doing. And I think my wife, God bless her, the, has a couple stories that we're going to share with you. Um, so she goes over to the neighbor, knocks on the door and um, – I had, like, stars in my eyes. I admired her so much. I wanted, like, when a kid looks up at somebody and it's like, gosh, when I grow up, I want to be like you. Like, that's, when I talk to her, that's what I felt like. So sometimes when you have these stars in your eyes, you say really dumb things. Can you tell us what you told her exactly? Well, what I said was, you know, I, you know, so happy that we're neighbors and we're very excited to embark in this new lifestyle and... I notice you have cows. They're super cute. And if you ever need help washing your cows, I would love to help you wash your cows. And she looked at me like I was a complete idiot. And I'm still <laughs> confused of like why she has this look on her face. And she goes, we don't wash cows. And I said, oh. I mean, that that just sounds weird. Like, of course, you've got to keep your animals clean. I still don't. I probably would wash my cow if I had one. But she yeah. said... We castrate them. You want to help with that? And I said, no, no, I'm good. So that was kind of a bummer. But I still to this day, like every time I interact with her, I want her to see that I'm trying and um, why do we I can do approval? this. I feel like I need to have it too. But why do we – why? Because um, I think no... there are benchmark of like legit real farmers. And we know that we are just so in our infancy and – are lost and trying to yeah. figure it out. So if we can get the nod from them someday, that we'll be like, oh yeah, we've actually maybe accomplished something. Yeah. I don't know. Like when I actually grow my first crop of alfalfa. Yeah, you're. That's gonna, gonna be pretty rad, right? Yeah. 
yeah, it feels so good, our little steps along the way, but we still have so much farther to go. So I think another quick story would be this same neighbor. Um, so their horses, uh, they escape from time to time because their fencing is not adequate. Um, Which is really exciting. I mean, if you've ever seen a horse that just gets free and it gallops with the wind blowing through its hair, it's it's extraordinary. And you just stand there in awe. And then you realize, oh, my God, the horse is free. And it's and like – it's a gigantic animal and it could come trample our yard. But then I thought, oh, this is my chance. I'm going to save the day and she's going to be so proud of me. <laughs> so I scream for you. And, of course, no, no one ever hears me. Whenever I've had any issue and I yell, no one comes for me. So that's always good. So I'm screaming, no one coming, and I'm like, I'm going to do this by myself. So I leap over the fence, and I'm wearing tennis shoes, and it was cold. This was yes. last winter, um, and I'm running through this field. I have no experiences with horses, by the way. but And I, I get close to the horse, and it kind of sees me, and I pull out my phone, and I call her. I called the, this my wonderful farm idol, and I, and I said, hey, one of your horses got out. And she's like, oh, darn it. And I'm like, but don't worry. I have your horse. And she's like, oh, thank you. So she comes, and she meets me in the field, and she gets a, um, a rope, and we're like, okay, we got the horse under control, and we're walking it back towards the fence. And I'm feeling super proud of myself right now because I just kind of saved the day. And she, we get to the fence and they have just a barbed wire, um, three rows of barbed wire. And so we take, she goes, let me just take this, pull this back and so and so. And then she's like, why don't you just take your foot and push it down so that the horse can walk through and not trip. And I said, yeah, no problem. So I stepped down on the barbed wire and the horse it understands what we want it to do, except the horse decides to step down on my foot. Mm. And I can't even see. It hurts so bad that the horse goes through the thing, and I'm trying to act cool, and I don't say anything. <laughs> and she looks at me, and she goes, did he just step on your foot? And I was like, yeah. She's like, are you okay? I go, yeah. Well, I have a good day. <laughs> and so I run full speed back to the house. I can't even feel my foot. Turns out um, I broke it, but um, I didn't want her to know, so I just, like, don't ever say anything. And, of course, Ryan, you run into them, like, a couple days later, and she asked how my foot was, and you told her. Yeah, nice as they are. They came by to check on you, and I'm like, oh, yeah, her foot's broken. I'm like, dang, she, she, would like, never, uh, she would have thought I was, like, the bionic woman or I something. Know. You're tough, though. You <laughs> so, anyways, this lady thinks I'm just a hot mess every time I see this lady. So I've been debating um, this last story we, we want to share with you guys just to really give you a sense of how, oh, I don't even know what the word is. Dumb is good. Um, Underprepared, inexperienced. Like what else? What I mean, yeah. you could go on. So, But we're trying. I, I don't even know if I want to go on record because I'm going to get infinite heckles for this, but I think it's probably worth sharing and maybe by sharing – some some of you that have another fail will feel just a little bit better about your fail. Because <laughs> yours is worse. <laughs> so we go up to an area just outside of Sun Valley, and they have like a yurt hike-in um, area where you, you, you get a sled you and you basically snowshoe in to these yurts. There's no running water. There's no electricity. 
etc. And that's the charm, and you stay it's in these yurts. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's it's really it's killer. Um, and you and it's it takes a, a, a while to hike in, so you're definitely out there. Um, there there is no there's no service. There's no cell phone service. There's no rangers. There's no you. ranger to come knock on your door and go, "Are you okay?" There's no you don't check in with anyone. Well, sort of, but those people leave at yeah. the end of the day. So the sun goes down, you're on your own. So we're we're having a great time. We were out there with some friends, and we sun goes down, and we the so friends go to their yurt, which is about I don't know half a mile away, a little less. Yeah. So we're kind of in the forest, and it's pitch black, and we have to find our way back to our yurt, which was interesting. And I must say, before I even begin to tell our story. Um, I failed even before we even went out with our friends. So, you know, those lanterns that they have that like little, um, it's like a little sock booty that goes over the little light and somehow that thing catches and then your lantern, like somehow there's propane. I don't know, guys. Are you catching that? I don't understand this stuff. I I don't camp. Okay. I don't camp. I own a sleeping bag because when I was in the apparel business, someone at Volcom gave me one. Okay. (laughs) I don't. I don't have a tent. I don't have a chair. I've, I don't nothing. So I, I've seen these Coleman lantern things, but I've never touched one. I don't. I didn't watch the YouTube video before I left. I don't know how to ignite it. There's no instructions. So I get this thing, and I start like priming the pump on this thing, and like I can smell the gas, and actually it starts to leak out of the bottom of this thing. Then I take a match. Because it's not lighting, and we're all staring at you because the sun's going down, and you're supposed to and I like the light. I take the glass off, and I reach my hand in there, and this thing goes off like a Molotov cocktail in my hand. I drop it. It doesn't break somehow, but it actually lights the table on fire that's in our yurt. So now the table's on fire. The lantern's on fire. My kids and my wife are all staring at me going, oh, what are you going to do now? I grab the thing while it's on fire. I run it out the yurt door and throw it in the snow and uh, kind of brush it off. And we go to our friend's cabin and that kind of kicks off our adventure. No, that's not even the story, guys. That's the beginning of the journey here. So that night we come back to our cabin and uh, Amel had uh, made a great dinner. Um, that was really fun. I loved cooking with very minimal Yep. Items. And so we get the kids in bed. Uh, I get this the, uh, the little potbelly stove going and realize that it's the stove's pretty small and pretty hard to light, but I, I get it going. Well, we had we would have to stoke it throughout yeah, the night. Yeah, so all night. So at some point that, that thing's going to go out unless I wake up, which I didn't set any alarm clocks to. So um, around 2 o'clock in the morning, um, so just so there is snow on the ground. This is late spring late spring, probably like March. So around two o'clock in the morning, I hear what I think is sniffing right outside our, our yurt. And not only is it right outside the yurt, but it's, there's like a, like a little, like kind of clear window, uh, in the yurt to let natural light in. And that happens to be right where our food cooler is. And there's only one thing that sniffs around a cooler at night in the woods, and that's a bear. So I kind of spring up. The kids are sleeping. She's sleeping. And I nudge her, and I go, hey, um, I think. No. What? You said 
honey, there's a bear outside our yard. Straight to it. Straight okay. to it. So try waking up to that. So I have um, a 45 caliber handgun. Uh, that's my friend's gun that I've never fired. Uh, kind of hanging there on the on the, uh, the the post next to where we're sleeping. I grab it, load it, cock it, and realize this is not a good idea in the first place. We're like you're like in your underwear. Yeah, yeah. There's no fire. It it was. So yeah, the fire's out. Oh, it's probably I'm having like stress. Thinking it's about it's got to be. Oh, it's less than thirty in the yurt for sure. And now all the kids are awake. So, she also hears it though, right? You heard. I heard. I heard <sighs> then you hear claws, like like kind of brushing up against the canvas gently, like trying to get at it. Oh yeah, I mean, I right. I heard it too. So she's freaked out. I'm freaked out. Our son Jack is definitely freaked out. So she grabs, okay, okay, oh, I know what we need to do. We need to make noise. We're going to grab pots and pans. We're going to make noise. She grabs a cast iron pot and a serrated <laughs> knife and smacks the knife against the pot as hard as she could. The knife blade flings off and shoots. It, it shot out we of her hand across the it. room. It could have <laughs> killed one of our kids. We never found the knife blade. And we're, we're sitting in there going, hey, bear, hey, bear, you know, hey, bear, leave, bear, go on. And then everything kind of gets quiet. And we just hear like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking like this thing's hungry because that should have been enough. And I looked at her and I go, no one's coming to save us. Oh, because the radios that we so brilliantly brought, we said we should just turn them off at night to save the battery. So <laughs> yeah. we could not communicate with our friends. Not that that would have done any good in the event it was a bear. But so I realized whatever is outside of our yurt is something that we're going to have to deal with. And um, so uh, next order of business, I go, OK, I'm not firing the gun yet. Oh, no, I did fire. Yeah. OK, so then I go, OK. I know what's going to make the bear go away. I'm going to step out of the door. I'm going to fire around into the air. A big 45 caliber uh, handgun. And she's like, no, you can't go out there. The bear's out there. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I can't, it's around the corner. We're fine. So I step out of the door. Boom! Blow my eardrums out. Wasn't wearing any ear protection. My ears are completely ringing. And I'm like, okay. Go back inside. I'm like, it's for sure going to be gone because there's no way an animal would stick around for something that jolting. 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh my God. Now I'm starting to really panic because my best attempts at noise are not working. And again, I'm just telling her, I, go, I, I think that that bear is going to come crashing through this yurt at any minute because it's hungry it just woke up from its nap from winter it's ravenous and it's not heeding warnings like loud sound so we're gonna this is not good my kids are now hysterical they're it crying in the dead of night i mean morning is so far away so it's not like i can even tell myself like oh it's okay that sun's gonna come up you'll be fine so i have one thing i can try left so I had a can of bear spray with me and I'm like, okay, I'm now going to go out of the door 
and I'm going to peek around the corner. Yurts are round. It's not a rectangle or a square, right? They're round. See, it's hard to see around a corner. And she's like, don't go out there. Don't go out there. And I'm like, no, no, it, it should be okay. And then you told me you got my back. Oh, yeah. So I, <laughs> I hand her the 45. And I'm like, nope. I hand her the 45. She's like, I don't want to, I don't want to hold this thing. I don't want to touch this thing. And a 45 is a gigantic gun with a big kick. And, and she's not in a position. I shoot BB guns. I don't yeah. know what this thing is. Yeah, I, I have not l- got your back. Listen, I, someone needed to have my back. And it <laughs> certainly wasn't going to be our three, ki- our three kids. Um, so I grab the bear canister. I pull the safety off. I take two steps around the corner. Wait, can we just preface don't do this at home? Like ever or after? Well, Go ahead. I think they'll understand how ridiculous this all gets. So I I take a couple steps beyond the round uh, past the door. And I, I fire off half. I just unleash the fury of this bear spray, which leaves a, re, a, a orange residue on the whole side of this natural canvas tent. The next day, it looked like someone spray painted our tent, our year orange. So, so I unleash this canister. It shoots, I don't know, 30 feet in it's, you know, it's a six foot diameter spray, huge plume of orange comes out. Um, I'm wearing a headlamp so I can kind of see all this. I go back inside. Did you see the bear? No, no bear, no bear. Mm -mm. But I unleash the fury Mm -hmm. of the bear spray. So what happens is, the bear sprays, basically pepper spray or mace, if you guys have ever been familiar with that substance before, come in contact with it. You the, rush back into the yurt yes. for your safety. So with my own self-generated wind, it pulls a bunch of bear spray back inside the yurt. And effectively, I've now maced my entire family. All of a sudden, everyone starts uncontrollably coughing and tearing up and welling and gasping and gagging for air. It felt like you were swallowing shards of glass. Like, I can't even... And it was stuck inside the yurt. There was zero ventilation and there's no way we were opening the door. So we told the kids to hide under their sleeping bags and we just cried and coughed and cried and coughed. I wasn't crying. I was crying. I was so mad. So now just picture this. So it's got to be like... 20 something degrees because the fire is out the fire's out it's pitch black in the tent except for my headlamp and we've now maced, maced ourselves and our children it's not funny and it does it it is kind of ridiculous at this point um and then i i hear the same sound again and now now i know there's no bear there's no way that it's a bear so i go i'm going back out there so I I real I I go out with kind of a pretty a full head of steam confidence that there's definitely no bear. Sure enough, I go to where I thought the bear was, where I sprayed, and there was no sign of bear prints in the snow. There was no scratches on the yurt, there was no nothing. And then I look up at the top of the yurt and what is happening is so it's the spring, it's the thaw. There and we had had um, like just a dusting of snow that night, so there was a bunch of unsettled snow on the top of the yurt, and as the snow was melting, as the temperature came up, little pieces of ice were sliding down the top of the yurt, 
hitting the window and hitting on the ground beneath it, giving us our scratching sound and our sniffing sniffing and our hoof crackling of the snow sound. So um, I don't know what you're thinking at this point as you're listening to this story. (laughs) I can only imagine. And it's super embarrassing. And by the way, um, our children, we have messed them up. Excuse me. I have messed them up so bad. None of them want to camp. They barely want to go outside when it's dark. Um, so we, we definitely we'll go have... in an RV. We just got to work them back into the tent walls. Yeah, we, okay. we definitely have some camping redemption. So if any of you have ever failed on a camp before, I defy you to present to us or just share a bigger fair <laughs> fail. Or yes, please share on uh, on our, what's our website again, babe? Uh, it's FrontierFeathers.com. And then our Instagram is FrontierFeathersFarm. And this is just starting out. So if you like what you heard today... There's much more comedy and learning and failing and sharing and growing to be had with our podcast. Um, please tell a friend. Uh, you know, even if you have no desire to move out to the country and live the life that we're living, um, you can live vicariously through us and laugh at us all you want um, and, and love and learn. And uh, so I, I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard today. What do you think? Yeah. The show podcast. How do you think we did? I, I, I think it was awesome. It was lots of fun. I can't wait to answer more questions and get into some more about the animals next time. All right. Well, listen again. um, Thank you for checking in. And we look forward to presenting some more in the future. Bye for now.